You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Welcome to today's episode with Marta Spurk. Now, Marta not only is a mum of three triplets, she's also a marketing strategist and an empowerment coach and a just generally incredible woman. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her today because we talk about something that we do speak about quite a lot on this podcast, but it is such an important lesson to learn if it's not from experience, but from someone else's experience. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and I hope that you love Marta just as much as me. Welcome, Marta. Welcome to the She's Unshakable podcast. How are you? I am great. So excited to chat. So excited to have you here with us. Um, You've got so much value to give, and I love that we've had these conversations, and I know that you've got your own podcast too. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited for us to be able to vibe off each other today and give our listeners some awesome value. So, I mean, you know my podcast, like before we get started, I would love for you to share with the audience today What is it um, that you do for your morning routine? So for me, it's making sure I wake up a little bit before my kids, which it's been getting earlier and earlier these days. (laughs) We were just talking about the time difference and during the summer, it's super bright, like 5 a.m. And sometimes I wake up super early. So it's having at least those 30 minutes to myself in the morning. Um, I don't have a set routine of things that I do every single day because it depends on you know, what I'm working on that week, if I have pressing deadlines and stuff like that. But for the most part, I enjoy taking time to uh, writing down some intentions for the day as form of like affirmations, or it's one of the things that I learned from a coach called get statements, which is, you know, things that I'm ready to receive, things that I want, but that I am um, counting it as already received. <laughs> and as a form of a gratitude uh, journal. And another thing that I encourage people to do and that I uh, do it as well is something called the brag book, where I don't just focus on things and people experiences I'm grateful for, but I take account of the things I'm proud of having accomplished and always reminding me because I've noticed that I am one of those people that has words of affirmation as a love language. And for pretty much my entire time, my entire life until I had my kids, I now understand that I was looking for that affirmation from others Mm. and it was never enough. And I understood that it was never enough because I wasn't giving it to myself first. And so this is one of the ways that I uh, foster this um, self-appreciation is constantly reminding me. And one of the things on the list is you are a mom to triplets. It's something that I have to remind myself at times because I have constantly people saying, oh my gosh, bow down to you. You're amazing. And you'd think that that would be enough, you know, but one thing that I've, heard, <laughs> that I've learned is that self-praise really is the highest praise. Mm. We think we need to hear things from people, but we really need to hear it from ourselves. Yeah. When we don't believe it ourselves, it doesn't matter what anyone says, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, you are a mum of triplets and, and you run your own business and you work. I'm just like, what? This woman is mental and just crazy. I don't know how you do it, but 
Good on you. It's awesome. Get I love it. a little it. crazy in there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be a little crazy in there somewhere. Um, okay, awesome. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about your background. Obviously, you're now an entrepreneur. Uh, you're obviously a mum. You can even talk about that balance if you want to. But I'd love to know, like, what's been your journey um, and how have you got to where you are now? Yeah, it's interesting because just recently I had a podcast interview when we're talking about failure. And for me, I think I had never really, really experienced failure, so to speak, until I had kids, until I had triplets, because I'm such an overachiever. I'm such a go-getter. Nothing really stands in my way. And it's always been, what's the next challenge? Mm -hmm. And how can I be the best at this? Um, And I grew up in Brazil. I'm originally from Brazil. I started teaching English when I was 14. I've always been passionate about the language. It's something that I was just born with. And now with my coaching journey, I know that me resonating so much with the American culture and with the language has to do with my um, overachiever tendencies of I want to be associated Mm. with the best. I want to be where the best people hang out at, you know? Um, And even people would make, my friends would make make fun of me and say, you're not patriotic. Why do you love the U.S. so much? What's going on with you? And it's not (laughs) that I don't love Brazil. It's just that I had a vision for myself, you know? And my mom is a pastor. So I grew up in church and at around the time that I started teaching English, uh, actually as an entrepreneur, really, I didn't see it then, but now I understand that it started back then tutoring people, making money for it. Um, I, uh, she started getting in touch with American ministers that would come to our church to, to minister and to teach. And soon enough, I was kind of pushed into, Oh, you know, enough. So start translating our newsletters or, you know, enough start Mm. interpreting for small meetings. And by the time I was 18, I was on stages interpreting next to the minister for thousands of people. Yeah. And so it really set me up for what I'm doing right now. I know that it's very connected with the vision and what I grew up around conferences, you know, just being around people, being on stage. I used to sing and play the piano as part of the worship team. So I've been this little performer child for as long as I can (laughs) remember. And then having triplets. So there's a whole journey of me meeting my American husband, moving to the U.S., fulfilling this dream. I got to have my master's at an American university here at UC Denver. I'm in Denver, Colorado. So, so many dreams being fulfilled. Just last year, I became a U.S. citizen. All these things that that little 14-year-old would have never imagined. Uh, But of course, it came with many obstacles and hiccups. My mom, as a pastor, did not want me to just up and leave, especially from a Latin culture. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you've lived with your parents since you're, you're married, whether that be 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, or never. <laughs> you just yeah. stay there. And uh, I wow. decided I wanted to, to leave because I was so with the American culture of, you know, emancipation, let me do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And growing up in a conservative home as well was a challenge. Pretty much the only way I would get to kind of escape was if I got married. And that's what I did. And it was hard on my family. They weren't really supportive a whole lot and then they they did because they noticed that I wasn't budging (laughs) and so then they did support me but it was a rough journey being away because it's what I wanted but it doesn't mean that it was easy once I got here in the U.S. and I had to you know be in this different place have to cook for myself so I come from a a well-off family and the Brazilian culture is a culture of having lots of help and so I come to this place where I have to do my own laundry I have to wash my sheets I have to you know right. sweet 
And it's, it was a very rude awakening. I was excited for it because I wanted something different. But mm-hmm. that, that's not to say that it was easy, especially living with somebody, my husband, that's been on his own since he was 16. Like it's such different realities yeah. in so many ways. And that clash because we dated long distance for the most part, living in different countries, obviously. So that took a lot of adjusting, but for sure, the biggest challenge was hearing the news of triplets because, and now I see it, that the reason why it was so overwhelming, of course, for anyone it would be, but specifically for me was because I'm very used to being the center of attention, of excelling in everything that I do. So that's where I mean that it was when I first experienced the sense of failure. Like, it's not just my mom telling me, you can't leave. I'm leaving, mom. Whatever you say, I did it. You know, mm-hmm. it was, you wanted kids. Now you have three babies <laughs> growing inside of you. What are you going to do? You know, what, where do you go from here? And throughout the pregnancy, it was, I made the conscious decision and effort of, staying positive, managing my emotions and my thoughts, because it was this huge burden of responsibility. Mm. They're feeling what I'm feeling, you know, and and you grow up with your own traumas as a child, Mm. wondering and creating these stories in your head of what your mom may have thought of you or how she perceived having you and how she treated you. And here I am in those same shoes. And so that's when this all, this whole journey began of me, releasing forgiveness for my parents as well, because now I was in the position that I criticized so much for so many years, you know, and it's like, now it's my turn. How am I going to handle this? And Mm. from the get go, as scared as I was, my decision was, I want to make sure they know that they're loved. Um, Even if this is the hardest thing I have ever done, I want to be in the space of gratitude for them so that they feel loved and embraced, even within the impossibility of me sharing all of me because it's always going to be shared in three parts (laughs) and that was another challenge too because you know you only have two arms you only have two breasts so it's always there's always somebody else needing something else and for me that was such an abrupt change and like I said it's an obvious abrupt change looking outside in Mm -hmm. but now giving my perspective with my personality type and how I had led my life as you know, the spotlight person, it almost felt like my life was over, Mm. you know, like this is going to be it, Marta, you're going to be in the back burner for the next couple decades. (laughs) Deal with (laughs) You know, and for the first nine months, I, you know, adjusting to the routine once they were born, because there are so many other details involved. They went to NICU for three weeks. Um, I had them prematurely, obviously, at 34 weeks in one day. Um, One of my sons developed a lung condition when he was three months old. We were in and out of the hospital. He's still on oxygen right now. We decided to move back to the U.S. because we weren't adjusting to Brazil. We had them in Brazil. We were in Brazil at the time. Mm. And then when they were nine months old, amidst all of the chaos of a cross-continent move and three babies, you know, learning to sleep, learning to eat, all that stuff, I decided now it's time for me to start something for myself. And that's when I started my business actually was when they were nine months old. And to this day, there are certain people in my family that are not supportive, that don't Mm. understand, that think that I, you know, way in out of my head with, with this whole thing that I should have dedicated all of this to them. Mm. But now I know better that I'm the only one who can understand my reality and what I'm feeling. Mm. And so Creating this business was my alternative 
to sanity and to mm. really self-love. Because it was like, no, Marta, you don't understand it. Your life is not over. It's just beginning now with these. And really my business and having triplets has been the ultimate personal discovery and personal growth journey. Mm. Because if it's not through the business, it's through them that mm. I'm constantly being challenged to unpeel layers, uh, strip myself from masks and from things that I have, you know, from uh, walls that I have built up to protect myself, to shield myself from rejection. Um, so many different things that now when I see them with certain behaviors that I have been trying to handle, mm. I'm like, it's already showing up and they're only five, yeah. you know? how can I support them more than I felt supported yeah. when it, when I was five. And those are things that I handle with my adult clients. And that's a lot of what I think people that criticize me don't understand is that, yes, I, I focus a lot of my time in my life helping grown women, but everything that I do reflects back into it's my amazing, kids because yeah. it's how I'm showing up for them when I'm with them. Mm. Yeah. And it's such an important lesson, I think, for mothers and fathers to realise that everything that's going on for them is going on for their children and your children absorb everything and they they absorb your thoughts and your energy. Even yes. if you're like not saying it out loud, they still know and feel it. Like they are so intuitive because they're, they're still at that age where, you know, the universe and the world hasn't sort of like overtaken their real inside soul you know so they absorb everything that's going on um and it's such a a huge realization as a as a parent or even before that that you know that you did you did the same when you were a kid um I had a really really cool coaching uh course that I did maybe a year ago and it was all about um the inner child going back to um, you know, our younger moments and like our first memories and stuff. And there was a huge meditation. It was quite a spiritual course. And one of the girls in the course was able to go back into the womb and hear the conversations that her parents were having. And I was blown away by this. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's insane. And she heard everything that was going on. But then when she was born, she could still hear the conversations and then she could feel the energy that her parents were giving her and it it totally transformed the the person that she became essentially and crazy like when I heard her story I was like man that that's just next level like it and she she'd never put the two and two together it was like literally in that moment and we were all there like witnessing this moment of sort of self-discovery and we were like man this is crazy um and so it's it's so nice for you as well, you know, to be able to to realize that and and know that you know your your kids, you know, you're doing the best you can for your kids. And obviously, having children is not an easy feat, you know, for for anyone, even if it's just one child, you know, three's more. It's, I mean, some people have like more than triplets, you know, yeah. um, and it, there's a whole load of lessons in that as well for you to go through, but. Um, random question. Um, were you, were you guys, um, like trying to have kids? Yeah. So we've been trying for a whole year. Um, just, you know, watching my cycles, doing all the regular thing, but I actually had irregular cycles. And after a year, 
of just going to regular doctors and stuff. I, I visited a specialist. We ran several different tests. And then we decided to go the route of a hormonal stimulation, right. which is in helping with the cycles. Yeah kind of, you know, expedite the process since it wasn't doing it on its own. Mm-hmm. And with that, there is the chance of multiples. That was something that, right. you know, was that because if you're stimulating, it means you may release more than one egg right. uh, when that happens. And in my case, three eggs were released. Yeah. And not only were they released, they were, the, all of them <laughs> <laughs> worked and it happened, you know, and it was pretty early on at five weeks that they were already there. And that's uh, a fun fact because usually people that are not having treatment, they find out they're pregnant a little bit later, like at eight, 10 weeks. And at that point, a lot can have happened. You could have had multiples and Mm. have lost it. So even when I found out, all the emotions came rushing Mm. in because the doctor said, let's do another ultrasound at seven weeks because that's when we can see the heartbeats and we will know that they're actually viable. So those two weeks, it was like, so I could actually just end up with one or two or none. Mm. It's just super nerve wracking. And the multiples experience is actually, you know, of course, pregnancy in general, unpredictable, but there's so many things that could go wrong. Mm. Um, there are, you know, instances of people that lose one of the multiples mid pregnancy and yeah. you can't remove them. So you have to carry on until the others are born. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, premature labor, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, but we did go through a treatment, but, um, it wasn't in vitro because usually when you say go through a treatment, that's what people assume, but yeah. that's actually the last resort. Yeah. Once you tried several things and that doesn't work, then you actually do an outer body experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. And, uh, obviously being from Brazil, my, my brother actually lives in Brazil. So I have some oh. idea of the culture, but, um, the women, they, there's not that many women that work there, are there? Is it what's is the culture that women stay home and look after the kids, or is it is it go and work? Things have shifted a lot, especially because there's a lot of help. Like yeah. I said, there's usually nannies and people that help within the home. Yeah. Um. So there's been a shift in that that many women have gone back to work, or I, even before the pandemic, I had friends that were working from home and still being participating in the kids' lives more actively, but weren't exclusively stay-at-home moms. Because even if the ones the ones that are stay-at-home moms, they still have a lot of help. They have yeah. kind of like a life outside of it. And I feel like that's where a lot of my disconnect or the struggle really came from. It was all me. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, I was the sole person to give everything to three kids day in and day out with no family because my husband's family is not from here, from the state. Mm-hmm. And so while, when he was gone, you know, eight hours a day, it was me and them. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you can still get nannies and things, but it's it's just a very different, very just different culture, hey? Yeah. Um, okay, so what, I guess... I mean, there's a whole journey from from getting pregnant to having kids to then yeah. nine months later deciding to do a business. But what what was one of the most challenging moments uh, through through? Let's say let's say the kids. Let's start with that, and then we can go into your business afterwards. I think 
the most challenging moments for me was when they started sleeping less through the day. Because that was something that I, and it's something that still I pride myself in when people say, how do you do it? Is that we have a very structured schedule in terms of sleep. And that was something that I invested in before I left Brazil to come, you know, live uh, away from family was I invested in a sleep consultant that helped me with Mm -hmm. a structure of naps and bedtime and that helped me through the transitions because as they get older, things start changing. They, you know, one nap goes away and then they don't want to take naps anymore. They start waking up earlier in the morning and sleeping less and how to manage all of that with all of them sleeping in, in the same room. And then now we, we uh, separated the girl from the boys. So there's so many transitions that go into that in different phases. Once you think you master something, <laughs> here comes something else, you know, yeah. like, from starting to eat solids to then now they're walking or now they can uh, climb over the gates. So let's modify everything. And But I think the biggest challenge was me not having those breaks throughout the day or only one because well, they still sleep even in preschool daycare. Mm. Yeah. But at home is a little bit more challenging because it's not like the enforcement of there's several kids and everyone's going to take a nap. It's just them. So they've kind of been getting away with not taking naps on the weekends, but I think not having that specific time for myself, it started getting harder. And again, getting a little bit of resistance, even from my husband to put them in preschool. Cause usually people do four when they're four, they go, they go for like a year and then they start kindergarten here in the U S mm-hmm. um, some families will start them at three depending if they're working or not. I wasn't working full time because I was doing my business and I also work as an interpreter. So that was kind of like part of the business too, is me working as an independent contractor as an interpreter for the courts here, but it wasn't a full-time job. And so I would still have to pay for them to go somewhere, but I would have to be bringing in something to be able to justify me being out of, of the home. But for me, it was not only that it was, I needed a break from them. And that's something that if you're not living the triplet reality, some people, some people totally understand like, no, I, I don't blame you. That's totally what you need to do. And then there are other people, <laughs> maybe more traditional folks that, you know, think, why don't you just homeschool? Why don't you just stay with him all day long? But it's tough <laughs> with three being the same age, you know, and I give it up for the homeschooling moms. Um, I think that's a great talent to have. It's not something that I have within and with me being a teacher, there was a lot of pressure and expectations that I would be the homeschooling mom of triplets. And I voiced it pretty early on that it, that was not going to happen. Um, they Who's, needed to go somewhere else. Who set the expectation? Where did you feel that expectation or hear it from? I, mostly from my husband's family um, and from mm. him at times as well. Mm. Um, it's just, I guess, because I was a teacher, but there is this other side of me that craves the outside and connection with other people. Hence why I started the business, you know, and it's not, and it's very isolating to be, you know, with your kids all of the time. Um, And even so I made it a purpose to take them out. Um, I would be going places and people would be like, how do you even go to the zoo with your kids? You know, I would venture out because the alternative was just staying home bored and, you know, kids act up when they're bored too, you know? So I, you know, I did my best and I, I'm sure I did a pretty good job with, um, taking them and doing things until they started school. And 
that was another, I think, achievement for me was me going and finding something that would be feasible because three kids in daycare, that's usually a lot of money. And I was able to, you know, do my research and find something that it's still where they have been going even post pandemic. So that was another thing too. The, the next challenge came when the pandemic hit and it's like, I was set for over a year. I achieved my independence, so to speak, after three years <laughs> of having them home with me. And then it got all taken away. So it was kind of like a rebirth of sorts, you know, because that's what happened when they were first born. It's like, it's over, Marta. Everything got taken away from you. And then it happened again. And I was a little lost for a couple months until I re- until I realized that it was actually a blessing for me to understand that I, I can fit this in. Regardless of what happens, it's a part of my life, you know, my business and having my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And even if it was less time, it actually helped me stay more focused so that I wouldn't be so distracted. Because when you have more time, you can add in some extra shiny stuff, you know? <laughs> and with the pandemic, with them being home all the time, I was really forced to uh, stick with what really mattered and what kept things going forward. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a really great year for growth. But I, I would say those two things, the transition until they actually went to school and then having them come home unexpectedly because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But we made it work. Cool. Awesome. And I think it's so important. There's so many mums out there that feel the guilt of maybe being away from their kids, even though it's it's normal to want to do your own stuff or to hang out with yeah. adults or to have adult conversations, you know, even if it's just for half an hour or something, you yeah. know, to, to be outside or go and do something. And I think a lot of mums feel a lot of guilt, especially yeah. entrepreneurial mums yes. will get that guilt of, oh, I want to spend time on my business, but I should be spending time with my kids and, and, you know, children want to see their parents happy. And if running a business or doing their own thing and, and feeling successful or doing something fun is going to make them happy, then it's going to make the kids happy too. And I think so many women and men don't think about that. Yeah. You know, they just think, oh, well, kids are number one. So I have to spend my time with them, even though I resent it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then you're not even sending a good energy or a good message while you're doing it. You're resenting them. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So like before we, you mentioned a few of your belief systems, um, a few of the challenges that you had to work through. A lot of that was mindset related um, or inner child or childhood related. Can you give me some examples of maybe the ones that you did have to work through that were probably the most prominent, um, why you feel like they were coming up for you and then maybe how you, how you got through that. Yeah. So I think the main one, and it's something that I'm seeing in one of my sons already, which kind of gives me comfort to know that it wasn't something that was, that actually happened to me. It's part of who I am and it's just finding that healthy approach to it. Now that I am an adult and I can see things with adult eyes, he doesn't yet, but that's where I feel like I can support him because we're so alike in that sense. It has been this need for um, attention and confirmation, like I was saying, you know, the affirmation, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I'm the youngest, so I have an older sister, she's four years older than me, and my parents had a hard time having her, so after four years of being married and trying, they had her. And they weren't really trying to have me. 
And then four years later, here I come. And my mom had always told this story over and over again that she was not wanting another kid, that it was a lot of work having just one. And then when she found out that she was pregnant, she was scared. Um, And she was, you know, she didn't use those words, but it was pretty obvious based on the conversation that it wasn't something bland or wanted. It happened. But at the time with her in her faith journey, she, she heard from God that it was going to be a blessing, that things were going to shift, that this was not meant to be overwhelming, that it, there was a purpose into this other mm-hmm. baby. And then she would tell the story to say, you really made a difference and our lives improved and your dad was doing better in his job. And eventually when I was seven, he actually got to start his own company. We moved to a bigger house in a different city. So things really shifted and it, it made me feel good that, you know, I was a part of this big change and improvement in the family. But now I see that those stories created a little bit or added to what I already had in Italy, um, the stories in my head of competition and that I needed to uh, really um, find my space or claim my spot and my worth in the family because she, my, my mom would share that my sister was super outgoing after I was born. She became more withdrawn. So it's kind of like, oh, it was your fault. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this that you hear that I, I know it wasn't intentional to hurt me, but you start creating stories yeah. that it's like, so I came and I ruined everything. Nobody really wanted me. So mm-hmm. I need to prove that I, that I'm worth it, that mm-hmm. I came and it, and it's, and it's something good. And with me naturally, wanting to be, you know, a performer. And I remember walking around with a little boombox in my house to different rooms where my grandparents were or my mom and being like, all right, I'm going to sing a song. So I would do that. Like I've been doing it since I was like three or four years old. It was like, please look at me <laughs> <laughs> and reassure me that I, you know, that you see me. And even, you know, episodes through school of being super competitive and frustrated when I couldn't get things right the first time. And I, my parents never really fostered sports, but it was very academic focused. Mm-hmm. I refused to get, you know, bad grades. And it's not even something that they uh, demanded off of me. Yeah, They, they really showed that that's what mattered. And that's what was important future wise is make sure you do well so that you can get a good job eventually or go to college. You know, that was the idea, but I took it upon myself to, to be the best and to always know everything. And now I see this in one of my sons that he gets super frustrated when he doesn't think, get things right the first time. He just has tantrums when he's last, you know, when he, even if he's in second place, it's the end of the world and he's mm-hmm. five. So I know it's not something that I did to be like, you need to be the best because the other two, and here's the special part about having triplets is that they're all the same age being raised very similarly, you know, but they're so different. And the other two don't behave like this at all. Now, Benny does. And it's so me. And I'm thinking, I didn't, at least to my knowledge, do anything specific to foster this. Whereas the others are like, you know, get down, get up, try again, easily for the most part, whereas he gets really frustrated. Mm. And so I feel like this has been my life's lesson is learning to give myself like I said in the beginning, that uh, approval, appreciation, um, reassurance, mm-hmm. learn that it has to come from me for it to really matter within. Yeah, I can search and search and search outside 
and I will get it. And that's what I've been noticing is that my entire life I have gotten it. <laughs> you know, I have gotten the affirmation, the praise and all that stuff, but it never felt like enough. No wonder I never really felt like it was. And now learning too that a lot of my outrage or even anger when I perceived that people were undervaluing me was really my projection of me not seeing that myself. So I was expecting people to give it to me more. or I was mad that they didn't say something in some capacity. And it was really because I wasn't saying it to myself. So of course I couldn't receive it from others either. So I think this is really my life's lesson. And also not to take things personally, which I think goes in in hand with that. When things go wrong, it's like, I must have done something wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a terrible human being. Or when somebody criticizes you, I must be a terrible person. Yeah. You know, always taking it back to myself and internalizing these things, like the stories from my mom. Oh, then it means you didn't want me, you know? And that's one of the things that I was really mindful of or tried to be really mindful of while I was pregnant, like I said making sure that they knew that they were wanted, mm. even if I wasn't so sure if I wanted triplets. <laughs> Such a beautiful lesson. Such a beautiful yeah. lesson, hey. Um, you know, if you can ever get that lesson in your life and actually realize that that's the truth, um, it's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing. Um, were there any other sort of limiting beliefs that came up for you, apart from, apart from those couple of prominent ones? Well, one thing that I've noticed, and it comes with this idea of the the approval and the validation, is I feel like one of my biggest fears, besides, you know, fears of fear of rejection and, and stuff like that, is mm-hmm. a fear of the FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. Because I'm so driven and I can multitask and I can do so much. I end up adding a lot more because I think maybe this is it. Maybe this is the thing. And if I don't do it, everything is going to fall apart. And one of my mentors recently really helped me put this into perspective with a beautiful imagery of, you know, sitting by a river, you can go and you can take some water in a cup whenever you want. It's passing by. You won't be able to take the same exact piece of the water every time Mm -hmm. but it's flowing you know opportunities are always coming by and we can't live in the anxiety of I didn't do this and it ruined my life because actually when you think you know we we look for success and we pursue success so much but have you noticed that when you are actually achieve something then you start thinking well if I hadn't talked to that person if I hadn't you know sent that email this wouldn't have happened, meaning I didn't deserve this. It really wasn't going to happen. It was just luck. Like everything came together perfectly for this to happen, but it wasn't really meant for me. And I think it goes hand in hand with, if you're in that mindset, you're thinking this next thing could be the thing. And if I sleep or if I don't answer this message, everything's going to fall apart. And it's such a terrible space to live in. It's not a a place of gratitude. It's not a place of abundance, right? Because if you know that the river's always there, you can go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. Hey, there's nothing, there's nothing that something can't wait. Well, there's nothing that something can't wait for in terms of, you know, messages and emails. I'm like, you could read emails for like 12, yeah. 15 hours a day if you wanted to, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's, yeah, it's, and they're not going anywhere. They're still going to be here the next day. Yeah, that's a, that's a lovely analogy, actually. I've never heard that, but I love it. And it makes yeah. so much sense. You know, abundance is the river. And as long as you believe it, it's going to keep coming to you. If you think it's going to exactly. stop flowing, guess what? It's going to stop flowing. Unfortunately, right. you're in control of your life. And 
exactly. of whatever you think is going to happen. So, yeah. And it's really being present in the moment and learning that the more you put effort into enjoying who you really are today, mm-hmm. the more you're going to be proud of who you are, which means you're going to attract more things and you're going to achieve more things. We think that we need to achieve more to feel proud of ourselves, but it's really the opposite. It's about learning to feel proud right now. Because isn't this what we would do for our kids? And that's, you know, me going back to how Benny acts. And I'm thinking, but I love you regardless of if you're first and second or if you can't finish this puzzle or, you know what I mean? But he doesn't fully understand that yet. I do. And then I think, whoa, 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 this is what I need to be telling myself to. (laughs) You know, I love you. And you're amazing right now. It's not when you book that client or when you book whatever speaking engagement like this is it, yeah. you know, you're you, the person you're looking for or to, into becoming is you. Yeah. It's already you, you know, even the six figure, whatever it is, goals that people put in entrepreneurs, like, yeah, you will have gone through changes in certain aspects to be able to reach that level, but it's not a different person. It's literally you. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, that being proud as well, I, I mean, I do that with my team each week. I'm like, what, what are you proud of? And it doesn't have to be this big, crazy goal. It could be something yeah. so small. You know, I went for a walk this week. <laughs> I managed to get my workouts in or I made dinner for my kids or, you know, so many small things that we totally shove to the side rather than yeah. being one, grateful that they're there, but grateful that we did that ourselves. You know, we yeah. we don't give ourselves enough credit for the small things that we do in life that basically add up to us. And yeah. I think it's so important for us to remember to be proud of the small things and then to be proud of the big things as well. But if we can't be proud of the small things, but then we're probably not going to be proud of the big things, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think a big shift for me, because some of these practices and these concepts, you understand kind of like head level, but it doesn't really sink in until you're in this journey for a while, I, I firmly believe. But if I attempt to put it in better words to maybe expedite the process for somebody out there is that, you know, when you think gratitude, gratitude journal, it seems pretty mechanic, you know, like, oh, let me think about five things here so I can write coffee, you know, the roof over <laughs> my head. And really the shift is when you're in the moment and you take that time to snap back and be like, man, my life is pretty awesome. Yeah. This is it. It's not when you're writing those sentences in your journal, you know, super sleepy because you, you, you'd rather you'd stay in bed, you know, like <laughs> that is setting you up for this. <laughs> But that feeling really shows up in the day-to-day. It's not in the mechanics of, let me open my yeah. gratitude journal here. Yeah. When we, yeah, the small moments, hey. Okay, a couple of last questions that I want to ask you before you go. Um, what's the scariest thing that you've ever done? Oh, man. I think, well, besides triplets, it was really getting married and moving away because mm-hmm. I literally just had to say, I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, and again, because of how my family is, how tight knit we are. It was a pretty outrageous move, <laughs> especially, you know, the youngest child, my, my sister wasn't married at the time. It was like this harebrained idea in their heads, you know? Yeah. And one of the reasons why I even got my master's was kind of like a plan B. My parents were like, okay, you're going, but just in case this doesn't work out, let's make sure you get something out of it. <laughs> oh, so, really? You know, go, 
go study. Yeah, go study, which I think was great because it helped me kind of, you know, acculturate and be a part of yeah, the community people, as yeah. opposed to so many women that marry, you know, from other countries. I see a lot of Brazilian women that come and marry um, men in the military and they live pretty lonely lives yeah. uh, because they're just home, like cleaning the windows because there's nothing else to do. And for me, yeah. I already had something that I had to do, yeah. which was super helpful. But it was definitely scary because it's like, wow, I really did this. I'm alone in this other country driving around, you know, <laughs> like it was crazy to think about, but I did it. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And I think that especially in this day and age, like more and more people are shifting countries, you know, moving over the other side of the world. You know, yeah. I moved to New Zealand from the UK. I couldn't move any further. Right. <laughs> Pick the furthest the furthest spot. Um and obviously we do things for different reason. I, I came to New Zealand as well for my partner. Um who I can't imagine living without. So you you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Totally. Um and I think it can be really difficult to integrate into society. It can be really difficult to find your groove, find your friends. Yeah. And depending on the culture, obviously everyone's culture is different, but there's some people who you think are really lovely, but actually to to get past that, hey, how are you stage is very difficult. And then there's other people who will just invite you into their home um, and do whatever. But there is... There's definitely some some challenges with that for sure. Totally, yeah. Um, it's it's starting over in so many ways. Yeah. And for us, uh, I live. I moved here and I lived here for three years. And then when I was done with my master's, we moved to Brazil because my parents were like, "Oh, stay with us. You know, let's see how this goes. Your husband can work with me and my company." My dad said, and that was a whole other shift. Even going back to my own country, it was tough. And then him having the same experience on his end, you know, being the foreigner. And then we moved back once more, but now I had kids. I was a mom. It wasn't just me and him. So yeah, this whole, you know, moving countries, it's like death and rebirth (laughs) again and again. (laughs) Oh, so is having kids. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Last question. Uh, What's the best advice that you could give to our listeners today? I always like to use an amazing quote that I came across once in, in my searches on Pinterest for like, you know, I was looking for branding stuff, actually, like colors, you know, the, the usual stuff that you do on Pinterest. And I came across this quote by a British poet, actually, her name is Della uh, Hicks Wilson. And it says, see your beauty without a compliment and without a mirror. And it's something that I hold dear to my heart, obviously, because of everything that I've shared already is really learning to see your worth um, without needing that external confirmation or validation. Those things are nice. Those things will happen, but we can't depend on them. It has to start with you really just closing your eyes and not even looking at the mirror, right? That's why I love that piece is closing your, closing your eyes and seeing it and feeling it and knowing it that, you know, you have this uniqueness, that you have this, um, this unique place in the world that nobody can take. And mm-hmm. it's your duty and your birthright um to fulfill Mm, i love it thank you so much for sharing well thank you for coming and joining me today it's been wonderful to have you and i love your story and hopefully there's some mums on the line who can 100 relate with you if not think i don't know how she's doing it (laughs) i still don't know how she's doing it yes i'm so grateful for this conversation it's always so fun to 
pour my heart out and hopefully encourage some other ladies out there yeah absolutely so yeah remember who you are love comes from within thank you for uh, the good reminder and thanks for joining us of course my pleasure